information, but it was very brutal and uh, very unfortunate, some of the tactics they used to um, hurt me both professionally and, and personally, to be quite frank. Yeah. It's very unfortunate, as they say, when you're over the target, that's when they do the most fi firing at you. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes. Personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of or have heard of, I guess? I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. Maybe in a, um, if we could get it, get in a um, confidential area skiff, we could talk about that. But unfortunately, um, we were denied access to the skiff, and that's very unfortunate in this, in this scenario. Um, Mr. Favor, do you believe that you witnessed an additional object under the water in relation to your encounter? I will say we did not see an object. There was something there to cause the white water, and when we turned around, it was gone, so there was something there that obviously moved. Okay, it was, it was not the same object, though, that you were, you were looking at, correct? No, we actually joked that the Tic Tac was communicating with something when we came back and because the white water disappeared. Uh, we were, in, in another instance, we're told about the capabilities of, of a jamming during viewing of some, when there were some people chasing some of these objects. Did you experience any of that jamming or interrupting your radar or weapon system? My crew that launched after we landed experienced significant jamming to the APG-73 radar, which was what we had on board, which is a mechanically scanned, very high-end uh, system prior to the APG-79. And yes, it did pretty much everything you could do, range, velocity, aspect, and then it spit the lock, and the targeting pod is passive. That's what we were able to get the video on. I'm about to run out of time, but um, are you aware of any of our enemies that have that capability? No. Okay. I would also like to note for the record that, um, like George Knapp, breaking Area 51, he's the reason I knew about that, and the reason I know about the, the Tic Tacs is, uh, is Leslie Keene um, from New York Times article, and I would encourage everybody to read that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back to you for no time. Very good. Mr. Raskin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Graves, um, you reported UAP encounters um, during training flights, I think, and have since come forward to warn the Pentagon that uh, these encounters may be putting pilots at risk. Um, my first question is, um, you've identified these as taking place on the East Coast. Is it just on the East Coast where these encounters uh, have been reported? No. Since uh, the events initially occurred, I've learned that the objects have been detected essentially where uh, all operations, uh, Navy operations are being conducted across the world. Uh, and that's from uh, the Ultimate Anomaly Resolutions Office reporting. All right. Can you describe your experience after you decided to come forward and um, go public with your um, experience? Certainly. Uh, like many others, uh, in 2017, I saw the New York Times article come out uh, as well. And for me, it was, it was special because I recognized the voices on the video. Uh, I recognized the video itself. I had seen it when it was taken. I'd seen it when it was debriefed. Um, and so that was kind of shook me because I realized that this problem was still ongoing. And so I reached out to colleagues back on the East Coast. Uh, and realized that this was still a safety risk that they were dealing with, that they had essentially hit a wall with how they could move forward on this conversation. It was at that point when I decided to try to move the conversation forward myself. Um, 
Are there common characteristics to the UAPs that have been cited by different pilots, and can you describe what the convergence of descriptions is? Certainly. Uh, we were primarily seeing dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere. I'm sorry, dark gray or black cubes? Yes, inside yeah. of a clear sphere, where the apex or tips of the cube were touching the inside of that sphere. And that was primarily what was being reported when we were able to gain a visual tally of these objects. And that occurred over almost eight years. And as far as I know, it's still occurring. Um, so the, I take it that you're arguing what we need is real transparency in a reporting system so we can get some clarity on what's going on out there because there are many pilots in your situation, um, but we should have a, a way of developing a system systematic inventory of all of such encounters, is that right? Yes, and I think we need both transparency and the reporting. We have the reporting, but we need to make sure that information can be promulgated to commercial aviation as well as the rest of the populace. Um, Mr. Grush, what, what about you? What was your experience after you came forward? Well, uh, it's only been about two months or so, so I guess my experience has been you know, overwhelming support from uh, former colleagues of mine that have you know, privately messaged me, and, and I do appreciate that. Uh, but I, I do have knowledge of um, active planned uh, reprisal activity against myself and other colleagues, and it's very, very upsetting to me. Coming from where? Uh, certain senior leadership at previous agencies I was associated with. And that's all I'll say publicly, but I can provide more details in a closed environment. Okay. Well, I, I hope you understand that um, there would be bipartisan rejection of any attempt uh, to vilify, demonize, or engage in other reprisals against our witnesses and people who are telling the truth from their perspective. Yeah, there were certain colleagues of mine that were brutally administratively attacked, and it you know, actually makes me very upset to, as a leader to see that happen to other coworkers and actually superiors of mine over well, the last three years. How do you account for that response? That, that seems like a bizarre response. Uh, I call it administrative terrorism. That's their, their quiver or tool in the toolbox uh, to silence people, especially, you know, the uh, career government service cares about their career, cares about their clearance, uh, their reputation to climb the ladder. And when you threaten that uh, flow, career path, uh, uh, a lot of people back off. Um, but I'm here to represent those people, so. Um, Mr. Fravor, what about you? Um, what has your experience been since you've come forward with your perspective on this. Actually, I've been treated very well. And the six people that were involved, myself included, all of them have or will be retiring from the military as 05s or 06s. And all my friends that are very senior, three and four stars, I've talked to them, they, they believe, they, they understand there's a problem, but no, I've, I was actually treated really well. And, and what is your general interpretation um, of these phenomena? Or what is your current thinking of trying to make sense of them? Well, I'll say, you know, I'm not like a UFO fanatic. It's not, it's not me. But I will tell you that what we saw with four sets of eyes over a five-minute period, still, there's nothing. We have nothing close to it. It was, it was amazing to see. I told my buddy I wanted to fly it. But, yeah, it's just an, an incredible technology. All right. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you very much. I'll yield back to you. Uh, thanks. And Ms. Luna. Mr. Grush, uh, in speaking to you yesterday, um, I just wanted to follow up on Representative Raskin's questions. 
In the last couple of years, have you had incidences that have caused you to be in fear for your life for addressing these issues? Yes, personally. I just want everyone to note that he's coming forward in fear of his life to put in perspective if they were really not scared about this information coming out, why would someone be intimidated like that? Mm. Um, To your knowledge, are NHIs working with adversarial foreign governments in either technology exchange programs or back engineering programs? I don't have data on that. I'm not sure. Have you heard or you had people come forward to present that evidence? Not that particular evidence that you just espoused. Okay. On the 19th of April, Dr. Kirkpatrick, head of Arrow, had said that he did not find any evidence of UAPs. You also stated that you had, um, in your interview, that you had briefed him on information that you were uncovering, but that he did not follow up with you. Were the items that you divulged to him pertinent to national security? Yes, uh, him and I had a classified conversation in April 2022 before he took over Arrow in uh, July two, uh, 2022, and I provided him some concerns I had. Do you know why he might not have followed up with you? Uh, I'm, I, unfortunately, I cannot read his mind. Um, I wish he did. Uh, I, was ha- I was happy to give sage counsel to him on uh, where to look when he took the, the helm of Arrow. Okay, and then my last question for you before I move to Mr. Graves is um, you received prior approval from the Defense Department to speak on certain issues, correct? Correct, through uh, DOPSER, DOD Pre-Publication and Security Review, and I just want to remind uh, the public, uh, they're just looking from a security perspective. Uh, These are my own personal views and opinions, uh, not the department's. Okay, I'm, I'm asking that, though, mainly because I think that there are many people that would like to discredit you So it does bring a certain amount of credibility to your testimony. Uh, I'm required by law to do that as a former intelligence officer or I go to jail for revealing classified information. Yeah, we don't want you to go to jail. (laughs) Um, My next question would actually be for Mr. Graves. Um, Can you please explain to me in detail the event that occurred at Vandenberg Air Force Base? Certainly. Uh, In the 2003 timeframe, a large group of Boeing contractors were operating near one of the launch facilities at Vandenberg Air Force Base when they observed a very large 100-yard sided uh, red square uh, approach the base from the ocean and hover at low altitude over one of the launch facilities. Um, This object remained for about 45 seconds or so before darting off over the mountains. Um, There was a similar event within 24 hours later in the evening. Uh, This was a morning event, uh, I believe 8.45 in the morning. Later in the evening, post-sunset, there were uh, reports of other sightings on base, uh, including some aggressive behaviors. Uh, These objects were approaching some of the security guards at rapid speeds uh, before darting off. Uh, And this is information that was received through one of the uh, witnesses that have approached me at Americans for Safe Aerospace. Was this documented in any official form, whether it was a police blotter? Yes, they had uh, official documentation and records from the event that the witness uh, held over the years. And I'm not going to ask you to do it right now for time reasons, but you'd be able to sketch what was witnessed, correct? And you've, have you seen that before on any other equipment and or during your flight time? I have not seen what they've described. Um, this object was uh, estimated to be almost the size of a football field, um, and I have not seen anything personally that large. Okay, and then um, another question on follow-up, referencing the gimbal video go fast incident. Um, can you just clarify, because to our understanding, the footage was actually cut off at a certain point, but what happens at the end of that video, just for those Americans specifically there that are wanting to know about the rest of that footage? Certainly. Uh, there was some uncertainty or um, you know, instability with the object. It, it seemed to rock a bit, uh, and that's the last uh, 
last I had seen of the video. Much of the data that I would recommend be analyzed would consist of radar data uh, that would pr provide precise kinematics on the object as well as the fleet of objects that were operating nearby. Okay, and follow-up, uh, in regards to the reporting procedures that Mr. Garcia had addressed on as well as uh, Representative Bur Burchett, with the FAA, to your understanding, pilots that are seeing this, commercial airline pilots, are they receiving um, cease and desist letters from corporations for coming forward with information in regards to safety for potential air airline passengers? I have been made privy to uh, conversations with commercial uh, aviators who have received cease and desist orders. So the American public should know that corporations are putting their own reputations on the, basic, not the line, but ahead of the safety of the American people. And I think, would you agree with that statement? It appears so. Okay. Um, and I guess this would be my last, oh, I'm out of time. I yield. I'll be back. Good. Mr. Moskowitz. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, gentlemen, let's talk about the laws of physics for a second. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Graves and, and Commander Favor, I heard you talk about speed. When uh, those objects broke uh, the sound barrier, did they make a sonic boom? I was in a jet. You can't hear anything. It's kind of loud in there. Yeah, you, you're not able to actually uh, personally tell within the vehicle. I will say the objects that we were seeing, they were spherical, uh, and they were observed up to Mach 2, uh, which is a very uh, non-aerodynamic shape. What about G-forces? Let's talk about G-forces of those vehicles. Could a human survive those G-forces with known technology today? No. No, not for the acceleration rates that we observed. Okay. What about what they look like? How close did you get? Did you see a seam or a rivet? or a section, and what I mean is, obviously, the jets you're flying have all those things. Did these objects have those? Do you want to go, Ryan? I didn't, have, I didn't have the detail to be able to tell that. So we got within a half mile of the Tic Tac, which people say that's pretty far, but it's, in airplanes, that's actually relatively close. No, it was perfectly white, smooth, no windows, although when we did take the original FLIR video that is out there, when you put it on a big screen, it actually had two little objects that came out of the bottom of it. Um, but other than that, no, no windows, no seams, no nothing. Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself of non-human origin craft? Yes, I personally interviewed those individuals. <clears throat> Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself about ATs, advanced technologies that the U.S. government has? Uh, based on uh, conventional uh, advanced tech, I was briefed to uh, the preponderance of the defense departments, both space and aerospace compartmented programs, yeah. Do you have knowledge or do you have reason to believe that there are programs in the advanced tech space that are unsanctioned? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you say that they're above congressional oversight, what do you mean? Uh, complicated question. Uh, so there's, you know, some, I would call it abuse here. So congressional oversight of conventional spe special access programs, so I'll use Title 10, so DOD as an example, right? So 10 U.S. Code Section 119 discusses congressional oversight of SAPs, discusses uh, the, the DEPSECDEF's ability to waive congressional reporting. However, the Gang of Eight is at least supposed to be notified if a, you know, a waived or waived bigoted unacknowledged SAP is uh, created, and that's public law. Well, so that how does, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. how does a program like that get funded? 
I will give you generalities. I can get very specific in a closed session, uh, but a mis misappropriation of funds and uh, does that mean that does that mean that there is money in the budget that is said to go to a program, but it doesn't, and it goes to something else? Yes, I have specific knowledge of that. Yep. Do you think U.S. corporations are over overcharging for certain tech they're selling to the U.S. government, and that additional money is going to programs? Correct, through something called IRAD. Okay. Um, Satellite imagery. Let's talk about satellite imagery. We have satellites all over the place, some that we're aware of and many that we're not aware of, right? We're taking pictures of everything at every point in second. Uh, Mr. Grush, are you aware, do you have direct knowledge, have you talked to people with direct knowledge that there are satellite imagery of these events? Well, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the U.S. dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what they're buying, gold. Follow their lead. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings, too. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. Do it today. Follow the central banks of the BRICS. Take action, 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 and take that action. It's one of my primary tasks at NGA since we uh, process, exploit, and disseminate that kind of information. I've seen multiple cases, some of which, to my understanding, and of course, I left NGA in April, so that's my information cutoff date. Uh, but I personally um, reviewed both uh, what we call overhead collection and from other strategic and tactical platforms that were, I could not even explain prosaically. And I have a degree in physics, by the way, as well. And I, had, I, I am aware that you guys have not seen these um, reports, unfortunately. And I don't know why. It is, do you have direct knowledge, or you had spoken to people with direct knowledge that this imagery applies to crash sites, crash, crash imagery? I can't discuss that in an open session. Okay. Uh, do you have any information that the U.S. government is involved in a disinformation campaign to deny the existence of certain UAPs? I can't go beyond what I've already stated publicly in my News Nation interview because uh, it touches other sensitivities. Okay. I'll yield the balance of my time uh, uh, back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ms. Fox. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I thank our witnesses for being here today. Um, Mr. Garouche, in your sworn testimony, you state that the United States government has retrieved supposedly extraterrestrial spacecraft and other UAP-related artifacts. You go so far as to state that the U.S. is in possession of, quote, 
non-human spacecraft, end quote, and that some of these artifacts have circulated with defense contractors. Several other former military and intelligence officials have come forward with similar allegations, albeit in non-public settings. However, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of AARO, previously testified before Congress that there has been, and I quote, no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity or of, quote, off-world technology brought to the attention of the office. To your knowledge, is that statement correct? It's not accurate. I believe Dr. Kirkpatrick um, mentioned he had about 30 individuals that have come to Arrow thus far. A few of those individuals have also come to Arrow that I also interviewed, okay. and I know what they provided Dr. Kirkpatrick and, and their team. Okay. I was able to evaluate okay. that I, information. I need to go on. Sure. But um, my understanding that this, his statement is accurate, uh, came from a direct quote. And this contradiction is a perfect example of why we need to inject transparency into our government. And for another example, look no further than the pitiful response to the Chinese spy balloon debacle earlier this year. You may remember the mass confusion that ensued when the balloon was first spotted over Montana, four days after it first entered U.S. airspace over Alaska. The Biden administration's initial inability to address the object grew into a continuous series of embarrassments. After news of the balloon reached the mainstream media, we were assured that the balloon posed no threat to our security. However, after the balloon was allowed to transit the entire continental United States, fighter jets were scrambled off the coast of South Carolina to shoot it down. This flip-flopping and obfuscation caused needless confusion, fear, and panic across the country. It's my hope, Mr. Chairman, that this sort of confusion will not be repeated. We should investigate the extent to which elements of our government possess or do not possess information that is of critical value to the American people. We owe it to the citizens of this nation to make sure that our government is transparent and accountable. We must make sure that our government provides answers and Congress must do its duty to solicit those answers. With that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Yeah, Mr. Frost. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In 2022, <clears throat> NASA announced that it was commissioning an independent study team to examine UAPs. The NASA team is comprised of scientists across different fields, as well as former astronauts and pilots. In May, the independent study team held at its first public meeting, uh, which included the perspectives from NASA senior leaders, as well as perspectives from the Department of Defense and intelligence agencies. The NASA study team is also expected to release its first report pretty soon, and I think it's safe to say that we all eagerly uh, await its results. Um, Mr. Graves, how might NASA's research influence the commercial industry regarding safety in UAP? 
I think NASA has a big role to play as far as commercial aviation safety, and it's one of their uh, original charges as an organization. Uh, one of the recommendations that have been put forward is to utilize their existing aviation safety reporting system to serve as a short-term fill and trusted platform for pilots that want to report on UAP. It also has built-in uh, analytics capability and is funded by Congress. Gotcha. And also, Mr. Graves, are there any other industries that may be influenced by the NASA research on UAPs? And, and if so, how so? Well, I think there is a, a large swath of commercial capabilities that could be brought to bear on this topic from space-based or ground-based sensor systems that are available open source or through uh, commercial marketplaces. And I think NASA's work, as they work to identify and highlight specific parameters that can be found, we can take that information and, and promulgate this through the public sector so that we can have more open conversation about what we're seeing. You know, in 2020, the Department of Defense released several videos of UAPs, um, including Mr. Freyer's um, experience, uh, U.S. Navy pilots that recorded footage. In 2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a preliminary report on UAP events. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson stated that NASA would begin to investigate these events. In fact, uh, I sit on Science, Space, and Technology Committee, and when we were uh, doing a hearing with the NASA Administrator Bill Nelson, I asked, you know, why, why NASA needed to be fully funded, and there were many great reasons, but one of them was actually had to do with UAPs. Um, he actually mentioned, you know, is there life out there? I don't know. Um, and so either way, uh, these actions ultimately led NASA to assemble the independent study team that I mentioned earlier. Um, also in 2021, Harvard University stood up the Galileo project uh, to research and examine the origins of UAP. So it seems like both you know, from NASA and um, in the higher education community, because of the work that y'all have done and people standing up, you know, I think we're seeing some of that stigma um, slowly going away. Mr. Uh, Freyer, do you believe that military pilots feeling empowered to share their UAP experiences has directly uh, impacted the scientific community's research goals on this topic? I would say yes. I would say that, uh, you know, starting in 2017, when it actually came out, it took that stigma away. I mean, I've talked to multiple senators who said prior to that, if you'd have mentioned UAP, you'd have been laughed off the hill. And now you've, we're sitting here today for a public testimony on what's actually going on. You know, I, I'm hoping that this curve will be more of an exponential and we'll get more and more transparent to the level that we can. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, it's important. I couldn't imagine, you know, I'm not a pilot, but I used to fly gliders um, in Civil Air Patrol. Huh? Yeah, I got, yeah. Pilot? I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, and so either way, I mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, being being in the glider and seeing something um, and then not feeling like I had the agency to talk about it. Um, Mr. Graves, can you discuss the importance of seeking scientists to sit on your advisory board? Uh, absolutely. I think ultimately this is going to be a scientific problem. Uh, and not only that, it's also an engineering problem. Uh, I've uh, been working with the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics to help them stand up a, a UAP integration committee to help integrate their engineering prowess into this problem. And so, yes, very much, I think this is an engineering and scientific problem as much as a national security problem. And how might Congress help to facilitate partnerships between the scientific community and the UAP focus groups within government? Well, I think one of the things they can do is to have these types of hearings to, to communicate to the public that this is a topic of interest. I think that there is a, a pseudo market, if you will, of interested capabilities and talent that want to approach this topic. 
uh, and we're seeing that start to grow now. So I think continued conversation reduction of stigma is going to allow that to flourish and allow answers to help generate themselves. 100%. Well, thank you all for being here and thank you for your work. I think it's important that we keep our top scientific minds focused on this issue um, and look for ways to increase collaboration. Thank you so much. I yield back. Mr. Comer. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let me say I want to thank you uh, for having this hearing and I want to thank Mr. Burchett and Ms. Luna for leading this hearing. And with that, I yield my five minutes to Mr. Burchett. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm going <clears> to <throat> direct this, I believe, to um, Mr. Grush, but if any of you all feel like you need to jump in, just jump right in. We're good. Um, has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred? Uh, I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. Keeps the aperture open, both scientifically. Right. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, like I've dis discussed publicly uh, previously, 1930s. Why are so many people buying emergency food right now? As tensions continue to escalate, our fragile food supply chain will break again. One shocking headline spreads panic like wildfire, and grocery stores are empty within hours. That means you really need a proper supply of emergency food on hand before, not after, before disaster strikes. You'll breathe easier knowing you can feed your family in any crisis. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com for your one-week emergency food supply. That's MyPatriot.com for your one-week emergency food supply. MyPatriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of happy, worry-free customers. It comes in a nifty ammo can that's loaded with delicious food. There's no skimping with these meals, offering over 2,000 calories per day. Don't skip the special $30 savings available this week only on the one-week emergency food supply. This week only, 30 bucks off. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Action, action, action. Use your agency. Take advantage of this special. Can you give me the names and titles of the people with direct firsthand knowledge uh, and access to some of this crash retrieval, some of these crash retrieval programs, and maybe which facilities, military bases that would the recovered material would be in? And I know a lot of Congress have talked about we're going to go to Area 51, and you know, I mean, there's nothing there anymore anyway. It's just you know, and, and we move like a glacier. And as soon as we announce it, I'm sure the moving vans would pull up. But please. Uh, I can't discuss that publicly, but I did provide that information both to the Intel committees and the Inspector General. And we could get that in the SCIF if we were allowed to get in a SCIF with you. Would that be probably what you would think? Sure, if you had the appropriate yeah. accesses, yeah. Uh, what special access programs cover this information, and how is it possible that they have evaded oversight for so long? Uh, I do know the names. Once again, I can't discuss that publicly and, and how they've evaded oversight. I. In a closed setting, I can tell you the specific tradecraft use. All right. When do, when do you think those programs began and who authorized them? I do know a lot of that information, but that's something I can't discuss publicly because of sensitivity. All right. If any of y'all want to jump in on any of this, you're more than welcome to. Um, what level of security clearance is required to fully access these programs? Well, anybody who has... Uh, and, I, and I say that oh. because myself... Um, Representative Gates and Representative Luna were basically turned away at one point mm -hmm. at Eglin. So please go right ahead. 
certainly difference between member access and say somebody like me, but anybody who has a you know, TSSCI clearance and meets the eligibility criteria, the access adjudicative authority should be able to grant you access. So, yeah. uh, Ms. Burchard, if you'll yield. So just to be put a fine point on that, there's nothing that you're aware of that's above special access program classification. It, it's a misnomer that there's anything actually above top secret. Executive Order 13526 delineates the classification levels. Right. And, but I, I draw a point on that because we can have access to, mm -hmm. to those programs. And so the notion that we're not being given that access sort of defies our typical muscle memory here in Congress. Thank you, Mr. Burchett. I'll yield back to you. Thank you, Mr. Gates. Um, along those lines, Title 10, you may not know this or not, but uh, Title 10 and Title 50 authorization, uh, they, they seem to say they're inefficient. It, so who gets to decide this, in your opinion, in the past? Uh, it's a group of career uh, senior executive officials. Okay. Are they government officials? Both or in and out. Do what? Both in and out of government, and that's about as far as I, I can you. go there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's... It leads to my next question. Which private corporations are directly involved in this program? How much taxpayer money has been invested in these programs, to your knowledge? I mean, we know, we, know we, we audit the Pentagon every year, and I've been here five years, and they failed the dadgum thing every year. They uh, lose over a billion dollars a year, we think, and I was told the Department of Defense maybe 60% of their assets are unaccounted for, whatever the heck that means in the public's sector, you go to jail for that kind of crap. So tell me. Yeah, I know when I, um, I'm, I'm a dollar off of my DTS travel voucher, I get hammered, but it uh, seems like it doesn't work the other if way, you right? sell over yeah. six, If you sell over $600 worth of stuff on eBay, now you get a call from the IRS. So mm -hmm. please, what corporations? Yeah, I don't know the specific metrics towards the end of your question. Uh, the specific corporations I did provide uh, to the committees in specific divisions and uh, I spent 11 and a half hours with both Intel committees. So. Okay. Has there been any, has there been an active U.S. government disinformation campaign to deny the existence of unidentified aerial phenomena? And if so, why? I can't go beyond what I've already espoused publicly about that. Okay, I've been told to ask you what that, what that is and how to get it in the record. What, which, which, uh, what have you stated publicly in your interviews for the congressional record? Uh, yeah. If you uh, reference my News Nation interview and I talk about a multi-decade you know, campaign to um, disenfranchise public interest, Sorry, basically. Chairman, I've gone. Yeah. Thank I you. apologize, Mr. Chairman. I yield back negative 21 seconds. Thank you. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you to our witnesses for coming here today. Um, I do concur with the ranking member as well as several other members here on this committee that uh, this is a committee for whistleblowers and for the protection of whistleblowers as well. So we understand uh, what you're putting um, on the table here and what you're putting on the line here, and we thank you for that. Uh, Mr. Grush, you sat on the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon Task Force created in the 2020 NDAA, correct? Yes. Uh, there have been some things that, uh, that have been mentioned here during this hearing that I wanted to pick up on. Um, Mr. Graves, you mentioned specifically during the answers to one of your questions, you named Boeing contractors um, being engaged in an incident regarding this red cube about a football, um, a football field wide. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the interaction 
or Mr. Grush, either of you, the interactions between defense contractor companies and any UAP-related programs or activities? So I'll just say that the information about uh, the contractor himself were provided by a witness, and I have no particular Understood. detail in that relationship. Mr. Grush. Uh, the kind of general unclassed wave tops, uh, certainly the contractors, you know, are the metal benders, so to speak, mm -hmm. the ones actually uh, doing specific uh, performance on government contracts. Are they required um, to issue any disclosure regarding UAP sightings, or do they engage in any uh, reporting around this? Uh, in terms of the contractors? Yes. Not that I'm aware of. They do not. Okay. Now, when it comes to notification that you had mentioned about um, IRAP prog IRAD programs, we have seen uh, defense contractors abuse uh, their contracts before through this committee. Um, I have seen it personally, um, and I have also seen the notification requirements to Congress abused. Um, I am wondering, one of the loopholes that we see in the law is that there is, at least from my vantage point, is that depending on what we're seeing is that there are no actual definitions or requirements for notification. Are there what methods of notification did you observe? Like when they say they notified Congress, how did they do that? Do you have insight into that? Uh, for certain IRAD activities, uh, I, uh, I can only think of ones conventional in nature. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they thro uh, flow through certain, I'll just say, SAP programs that have cognizant authority over uh, the Air Force or something. And those are congressionally reported compartments. But... IRAD is literally internal to the contractor, mm -hmm. so as long as it's money, either profits, private investment, et cetera, and they to, can do whatever they want. To put a yeah. finer point on yeah. it, when there is a requirement for any agency or company to notify, or any agency to notify Congress, do they contact the chairman of a committee? Do they get them on the phone specifically? Is this through an email to hypothetically a dead email box? Uh, a lot of it comes through what they call the PPR, Periodic Program Review Process, mm -hmm. if it's a, you know, a SAP or Controlled Access Program Equity, and then those go to the specific committees, whether it be the SAS, okay. CASC, HISI. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I, I just, my time is limited. Um, it, Mr. Graves, one of your main concerns is that the FAA currently does not have an official process to receive reports of UAP from pilots or others, Correct. Correct. And um, in your experience, what data should the Aero program prioritize for potential collection? We have, you know, location, date, time, but are there other specific uh, characteristics that should be included in these reports? Certainly. Uh, I think that there's two categories that would be important. Uh, one would be kinematics and understanding the specifics of how the vehicle or objects are moving. Uh, and the second would be a more zoomed out approach of being able to uh, look at origin and destination uh, after or before the incident, as well as getting a better contextual understanding of how these, uh, these objects are interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Now, uh, I, because I only have a minute left, I apologize, we only have five minutes today, but um, for the record, if you were me, where would you look? Titles, programs, departments, regions, if you could just name anything, um, and I, I put that as an open question to the three of you. I'd be happy to give you that in a closed environment. I can tell you specifically. Thank you. Um, Commander Fravor? I would say, and I've told people that you, you have to know where to look. They're not going to divulge it to you because of the classification levels. But if you know where to look and who to talk to, which is exactly what Mr. Grush can point you, then you, then you have them. Okay. Mr. Graves? I was an operator, so I was defending on folks like Mr. Grosh to do that homework. 
Okay. Thank you very much. I yield back to the chair. Mr. Beggs. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Chairman. I thank the witnesses for being here today. I'm over here. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I want to get into uh, specifics here, and, and the reason I'm going to go this way is because you've talked a bit about um, what I would call misdirection by um, official U.S. government with regard to UAPs, right? And so I'm going to get to that in a second. But last week, White House NSC spokesman John Kirby stated that UAPs are having an impact on our training ranges and need to be treated as a legitimate issue. Do you concur with the statements? That's for each of you. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, now, having said that, I'm going to take you to specific instances around the Phoenix Valley, because that's where I, I live. And in 97, we had the famous Phoenix Light case. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Uh, there, were, there were two things that went along with that, and the explanation was military training range off Luke and the Barry Goldwater range. Do you know anything different other than the official explanation of those lights? Only what's in the public vernacular about it. That was outside the scope of my duties. And if we wanted to, just my question along with my colleague from New York, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, if we wanted to find out more about that, where would we go to find the files, and where and who would we address? And are you going to tell me we need to go to a skiff so you can tell us in a skiff? <laughs> I could potentially give you a vector on that. Uh, that specific case, I'm not. I mean, I'm familiar with it in terms of public, but uh, I, I, I give you a vector in a closed environment. Yeah, Th that would be good. Thank you. So, if if it's true that UAPs are having an impact on training ranges and this administration considers it to be a legitimate issue, what steps can Congress take to address training range impacts? And I say that having two very large training ranges in my state. And so we'll start with Mr. Graves and going down the, the panel. Some of the initial procedures have been implemented, uh, such as within the United States Navy that have a range follow report that gathers information from pilots. Uh, I understand that a service-wide reporting mechanism is still pending. However, that would be a great next step, not only for gathering information, but for showing the troops that it is an acceptable topic and reducing the stigma. Is, okay, please, all of you continue. Yeah, as a recipient of a lot of those training range reports, uh, sometimes we only get contextual kind of um, oral uh, reporting. It'd be nice if they attached all sensor data and there's a system in place that can handle multiple classifications okay. of data. And that's an issue with the F-35, right? That jet was never right. built to be an ISR platform. Right. And it's a pain in the, we'll say, butt uh, to get that data off. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I would agree with the previous two being a user of those training ranges. Uh, that the data has to be out there. You have to acknowledge that you're seeing them, and then you have to collect the data. Right now, you get the report. Someone says, I saw something, but no one collects the radar data to, to, to back it up and do research. Okay. Uh, do you believe that the 2019 classification guidelines for UAPs interferes with the federal government's ability to be transparent with the American people? And do you think we need to be more transparent with the American people? All of you, yeah. I'll, I'll say yes to that. 
I'm familiar with the, the at least the UAP Task Force 2019 uh, Security Classification right. Guide. Uh, I think it's fair. Um, I did actually help uh, author that with the uh Oh, you got, you got a bias that yeah, way then. <laughs> but I will say, uh, I'll call it a lazy attitude about declassifying videos. I mean, I've seen some of the videos of uh, you know the recent shootdown, and I saw no reason that couldn't have been released as long as they mask you know some data. Uh, the American people deserve to see that, that imagery in, in full motion video. Uh, I would think, well, in my opinion, I will say things are overclassified. I know for a fact the video or the pictures that came out in the 20, I think it was 2020 report that had the stuff off the East Coast, they were taken with an iPhone off the East Coast. A buddy of mine was one of the senior people there and he said they were originally classified to TSSCI. And my question to him was, what's TSSCI about these? They're an iPhone right. literally off the vacapes. That's not TSSCI. So they're overclassified and as soon as they do that, they go in a vault and then you all have to look for them. Yes, sir. Okay, imagine you're at your doctor's office. Your doctor glances up from the chart and says, and I quote, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up, end quote. Now, that's the Field of Greens better health promise. Check out this customer testimonial. He said, and I want to quote here, I've been taking Field of Greens, and this is the second time my doctor has danced into the room praising my blood results. Credit where credit's due. Thanks, Field of Greens, end quote. Now, each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support meta metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. If you're busy, if you don't get enough exercise, if you eat too much fast food, take Field of Greens. Look, Field of Greens can't promise your doctor will dance into your room but they can promise at your next checkup, your doctor will notice you improve health or you get your money back. Let me repeat that. You get your money back. I trust Field of Greens for my health, and you can too. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Take action today. Use your agency, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Bannon and get the better health promise. With the overclassification, that may be one way. Are there other ways that the uh, DOD or intelligence agencies are uh, keeping this information from the American people or even from Congress? I think part of that has been uh, not encouraging reporting. Uh, if the problem is not something that can be measured, it's not something that's going to be fixed. Okay, very good. Well, I'm out of time, and I thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I yield back. Uh, first of all, without objection, Representative Nick Langworthy of New York has waived on the subcommittee for purpose of questioning witnesses at today's subcommittee hearing. And then we go to Mr. Burleson. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, appreciate you guys coming out today, testifying. Look, I've been here for six months, and I'm pretty skeptical. I don't trust anything in this town. And... Um, and so, I, and I think that's because I'm from Missouri, you've got to show me, right? Um, with that being said, um, there's been a lot of things that have been said um, in, in the public, uh, Mr. Grush, and, and so I want to get down to, if we can, some specifics, right? So, um, at one point you had said that there, 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 there uh, has been harmful activity or aggressive activity. Has any of the activity, um, been aggressive, been um, hostile in your reports? 
Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, the activity, and I got to- by, by UAPs or by, by people within the, the federal government? Both. Okay, yeah. so yeah. there has been activity by, by alien or non-human non technology and or beings that has caused harm to humans. Uh, I can't get into the specifics in a, an open environment, but at least the activity that I personally witnessed, and not to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, you know, they tell you never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. Okay. Um, one of my constituents actually sent this next question, and I figured I'd ask it since I had the same thought. You've said that U.S. has intact spacecraft. You said that the government has alien bodies or alien species. Have you seen, have you, have you seen the spacecraft? I have to be careful to describe what I've seen uh, firsthand and not in this environment, but I, I could answer that question behind, behind closed doors. Yeah. And have you seen any of the bodies? That's something I've, I've not uh, witnessed myself. Okay, and so with that being said, you know, and the other, other statement that has been made that was intriguing to me because, and it's intriguing because my, my view has been that we are billions of light years away from any, any other system. And the concept that an alien species that's technologically advanced enough to travel billions of light years gets here and somehow is incompetent enough to not survive Earth or crashes is, is something that I find a little bit far-fetched. And with that being said, you have mentioned that there's interdimensional potential. Could you expound on that? Oh, yeah, to answer your first question, and you know, I'm here as a fact witness and expert, but I, I will give you a, a theoretical framework at least to work off to kind of espouse uh, crashes, uh, regardless of uh, you know, your level of sentience, right? You know, planes crash, cars crash, N number of sorties, what, however high, a small percentage are going to end in you know, mission failure, if you will, as we say in the, in the Air Force. Uh, and then in terms of uh, multidimensionality, that kind of thing, the, the framework uh, that I'm familiar with, for example, is something called the holographic principle. Uh, both, uh, it's, it derives itself from general relativity and uh, quantum mechanics, and that is, if you want to imagine a 3D object such as yourself casting a shadow onto a 2D surface, uh, that's the holographic principle. So you can be projected, quasi-projected from higher dimensional space to lower dimensional. It's a scientific trope that you can actually cross, literally, as far as I understand, but there's probably guys with PhDs that we could probably but, argue about that. But you have yeah. not seen any documentation that that's what's occurring. Uh, only a theoretical framework discussion. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Occam's razor is that this, these aircraft, um, have they been identified that they are being produced by by domestic, um, you know, military and, um, contractors? Is there any evidence that that's what's being recovered? Uh, not to my knowledge, plus the recoveries predate a lot of our advanced programs that I previously am witting of, so. Um, would it be safe to say that there could be a scenario today where you have um, an aircraft that crashes and because it's been involved in one program from one federal agency and the, but the, but the 
agency that retrieves it does, is not aware of that program and to them it, it appears alien in origin? I mean, that's a hypothetical situation. I'm not aware of any uh, historical situation that would match that that you described. So You're not aware, it has not happened that you're aware of? That I'm aware of. Um, Thank you, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Several months ago, my office received a protected disclosure from Eglin Air Force Base indicating that there was a UAP incident that required my attention. I sought a briefing regarding that episode and brought with me Congressman Burchett and Congresswoman Luna. We asked to see any of the evidence that had been taken by flight crew in this endeavor and to observe any radar signature uh, as long as, to, as well as to meet with the flight crew. We were not afforded access to all of the flight crew. And initially, we were not afforded access to images and to radar. Thereafter, we had a bit of a discussion about how authorities flow in the United States of America, and we did see the image. And we did meet with one member of the flight crew who took the image. The image was of something that uh, I am not able to attach to any human capability, either from the United States or from any of our adversaries. And I'm somewhat informed on the matter, having served on the Armed Services Committee for seven years, having served on the committee that oversees DARPA and advanced technologies for several years. Um, when we spoke with the flight crew, and when he showed us the photo that he'd taken, I asked why the video wasn't engaged, why we didn't have a FLIR system that worked. Here's what he said. They were out on a test mission that day over the Gulf of Mexico, and when you're on a test mission, you're supposed to have clear airspace, not supposed to be anything that shows up. And they saw a sequence of four craft in a clear diamond formation for which there is uh, a radar sequence that I and I alone have observed in the United States Congress. One of the pilots goes to check out that diamond formation and sees a large floating, what I can only describe as an orb, again, like I said, not of any human capability that I'm, that I'm aware of. And when he approached, he said that his radar went down, he said that his FLIR system malfunctioned, and that he had to manually take this image um, from one of the lenses, and it was not automatic, automated uh, in collection, as you would typically see in a test mission. So uh, I guess I'll start with Commander Fravor. How should we think about the fact that this craft that was approached by our pilot uh, had the capability of disarming a number of the sensor and collection systems on that craft? Well, I think this goes to that national security side, and you can go back through history of things showing up at certain areas and disabling our capabilities, which is disheartening. And for us, I mean, like I said, it, it completely disabled the radar on the aircraft when it tried to do it, and the only way we could see it is passively, which is how he got that image. So I think that's a, that's a concern on what are these doing, not only how do they operate, but their capabilities inside to do things like this. And, and how should we think about forecraft moving in a very clear formation, equidistant from one another, um, in a diamond? In all of the phenomenon, perhaps, Mr. Grave, that you've analyzed, um, have we ever seen multiple craft in a, in a single formation? 
I have one particular case, and that was uh, during the gimbal incident. Um, the recording on the AT FLIR system shows a single object that rotates. Um, you hear the pilots refer to a, a fleet of objects that is not visible on the FLIR system, and, and that was something that I witnessed during the debrief as part of the radar data on the situational awareness page. I would like to add, however, Congressman, uh, there's a small, uh, small bit of uh, uh, anger, I would say, I would feel that those pilots are still uh, facing that difficulty in reporting this topic and they don't have the tools to be able to mitigate this issue. It just goes to show how serious this is and why this is such an important issue for our pilots and for our nation. It was stated explicitly to me by these test pilots that if you have a U of AP experience, the best thing you can do for your career is forget it and not tell anyone because any type of reporting, either above the surface or below the surface, uh, does have a perceived consequence to these people, and that is a culture we must change if we want to get to the truth. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I would observe that perhaps as we, uh, as we move forward from this hearing, there are some obvious next steps. Every person watching this knows that we need to meet with Mr. Grush in a secure compartmentalized facility so that we can get fulsome answers that do not put him in jeopardy and that, and that give us the information we need. Second, I would suggest that the radar images from, um, that were collected of this formation of craft out of Eglin Air Force Base, and specifically the actual image taken by the actual flight crew that we can actually validate um, be provided to the committee, subpoenaed if necessary, um, so that we're able to track how to get this type of reporting and analysis done in a more fulsome way. That would be my recommendation, humbly, as a guest here of the Fine Oversight Committee. I yield back. Ms. Mays? Okay, uh, we're, we're going to jump in here, and I really want to, um, by the way, Nancy Mays, we'll, we'll get all this in the five to seven show. I really want to thank Real America's Voice for blowing the brakes here. Bottom line, the administrative state and the deep state have known about this and have worked on this and have information about this going back multiple decades, and they have blown off con not just congressional oversight, they have funded this illegally through other programs. So this is explosive. If you look at the testimony, and of course, Gates cuts to the chase about getting into a, a skiff or a classified environment so these guys can open up about it. Other breaking news, Mallorca is getting lit up over about child trafficking at, the, at another hearing. We'll play that today, later. You've got the uh, MSNBC headline is the Hunter Biden deal is hanging by thread right now in a court. Uh, the judgment says, say, hey, look, if you've got immunity for your business deals, dude, I don't know if that's going to hack it with me and this whole thing may, may be thrown out. We're going to get to all that. Dr. Malone, I really want to thank you. we got a couple of minutes here before we go. But your issue about population control dovetails with what we just heard. You've got the U.S. government pursuing policies or having information on things that they keep absolutely away from the eyes of the American people, sir. And the same agency is involved. This is uh, obviously CIA and USAID uh, cooperating. I, I am inclined to say conspiring to withhold information from the uh, general public regarding the established policies of the United States government, which are totally contrary with the, uh, um, let's say, ethics of a very large fraction of the population, particularly as it, ha as it relates to abortion policy and uh, birth control in general. And uh, then there's this just really um, dark, uh, real politic angle of suppressing population growth in uh, the least developed countries so that uh, we can maintain our capabilities to extract 
uh, natural resources from those uh, um, underdeveloped economies. And this also threads into the other substack that you kindly mentioned earlier uh, regarding green colonialism, which is another example of weaponization of a pseudo crisis, in this case, the quote climate crisis, uh, in order to uh, uh, engage in practices which are economically damaging to emerging economies. The common thread through all of this is, as you as you've taught me, uh, the American imperial state, the the desire to uh, really jettison any fundamental ethics in uh, the pursuit of uh, imperial and economic interests. And uh, relating again, looping back to the climate change agenda, fascinatingly in these uh, 1970s documents uh, that are still in place as American policy, we have explicit acknowledgement about the uh, potential impact and benefits of climate change. Uh, in this case, they were still talking about global cooling on availability of uh, food supplies yeah. and the positive impact that would have on reduction of population growth. Um, consistent with what we have, many people have speculated is ongoing in during the COVID crisis and subsequent where we see these efforts to Big time. Uh, manipulate food supply, etc. It's It's fascinating how all of these things are converging around this single point yes. of the administrative state and in particular the intelligence community and in particular within the intelligence com community, the, the CIA. I gave an interview to Sean Spicer the other day uh, that will be coming out soon in which I spoke about a number of things that uh, I've come to understand about the role of the CIA in managing the COVID crisis directly. We already knew that they were behind the Moderna technology yeah. and advanced <laughs> that and capitalizing it. Go ahead. Doc, we got a, we got a hard, we got a hard out right here. How do people get to your Substack and social media? We're going to have you back on in more detail about this, but where do people go? Thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and, um, I'm I'm forever indebted to uh, MAGA and the War Room and the Posse. Uh, rwmalonemd.substack.com. And a lot of these documents can be found at uh, maloneinstitute.org. Uh, in addition to a lot of our detailed research documents concerning the World Economic Forum. Over. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Dr. Mo. We'll have you back on her. We're going to go through all of this. Uh, explosive hearing on Capitol Hill on what the government knows and has refused to tell you about. Explosive hearing at uh, Homeland Security about the trafficking of women and children. Uh, also, we can report right now across the wire the Hunter Biden deal looks like it is off. I want to repeat that. The Hunter Biden deal is off. Game on, baby. Charlie Kirk picks it up from here. Two hours of populist nationalism on Real America's Voice, followed by Jack Posobiec. We're going to be back from 5 to 7 with all the players you heard today and much, much more. See you back in the warm at 5. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. 
The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% and do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. 